Well, welcome to the 4G podcast. This is Pastor Brian. Uh, This podcast episode will drop a day early this week because, well, it's Thanksgiving week. And we thought that we would give special attention to the theme of giving thanks. Uh, Sometimes we need the reminder, right? We need this time of the year to kind of um, shock us back into the importance of being thankful people. You know, one of my favorite holiday classics is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I have a vivid image in my mind of how the Grinch, dressed as Santa Claus, steals all the presents and ornaments, the trees and the stockings, and well, even all the food. And as he drags his loot back up to his lonely mountain, he looks down on Whoville with this sinister grin, like he's won, but he also has a grumbling heart. Well, on this day before Thanksgiving, actually today is Tuesday, so a couple days before Thanksgiving, or whenever you listen to this, we can choose to be characterized by grumbling or by gratitude. We could put it like this. We can either be a grumbling Grinch or a gratitude giver. There are three characteristics of grumbling Grinches. Number one, grumbling Grinches are never satisfied. No matter what happens, it's never good enough for some people. Well, because they're always waiting for something bigger and better, and then they'll be thankful. But listen, if you aren't thankful for the little things of life, well, it will be difficult to thank God for bigger blessings. Someone has said it like this, contentment is not having everything you want. Contentment is wanting everything you already have. Number two, grumbling Grinches have no joy. Oh, you've been around people like that. People who are, well, curmudgeons, (laughs) crabby, cranky. Oh, that can be me sometimes. Well, grumblers are not happy because they're so focused on what is wrong with their life. And thanklessness often leads to a bitter heart. A case could be made that we live in a culture of complaint where we feel entitled to having all our wants, all our desires, fulfilled. In fact, there's a spirit of entitlement, uh, certainly in our day and age. But here's the deal. When our needs aren't met, well, then we're not happy, (laughs) and we let others know about it. Philippians 2.13 says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Number three, grumbling Grinches are on dangerous ground. Romans 121 says that a thankless heart can lead to a thorny heart. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor, so listen for this, gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then we read later that God gave them over. Where does all that start? Well, it starts with grumbling. It starts with not giving thanks. It starts with taking things for granted and not 
being grateful for what God has given to us. Well, while the Grinch tried to steal Christmas, he eventually discovered that he couldn't take away what was in a person's heart. Instead of hearing screaming and wailing from the citizens of Whoville, the sounds of a joyful Christmas carol floated up the mountainside. The Grinch eventually learned that Christmas resides not in toys and trinkets, but in the heart that is thankful. There are some characteristics of gratitude givers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what that verse says. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So first, gratitude givers express thanks. We're to give thanks because there's a little Grinch inside each of us. Uh, many of us uh, hang out at camp complaining. <laughs> we default to what is negative. We find it easier to complain than to be thankful. <laughs> and I'm just speaking about myself. My guess is you struggle with the same. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It's good to verbalize our gratefulness to God. Number two, gratitude givers are thankful in all circumstances. You know, it's hard to be thankful for everything that happens, but we can be thankful in all circumstances. Even in the middle of the most difficult situations, we can find something to rejoice over. So we're to give gratitude to God all the time when things are good uh, and when things are not so good. Number three, gratitude givers are committed to God's will. God longs for us to develop the habit of giving thanks. So let me just circle back. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is What's God's will? Oh, we love asking that question, don't we? And a lot of times we're wanting that question related to location. God, where do you want me? Or vocation, what do you want me to do? And God's saying, all right, here's my will for you. I'll let you know right now. Okay, my will is that you give thanks in all circumstances. So it's certainly good to pray for vocation and location, no doubt. But make sure you're living out what we already know to be God's will. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, And this is God's will, your sanctification, that you avoid sexual immorality. That's chapter 4. You get to chapter 5. This is God's will, that you give thanks in all things. So number four, gratitude givers are grateful for what Christ has done. The last phrase frames it for us, in Christ Jesus. We're all morally bankrupt before a holy and just God. And the Bible says there's no way to pay what we owe, but God himself stepped in and paid the price for our sins by sending Jesus to die in our place on the cross. I think of 2 Corinthians 9 verse 5, the number one thing we should be thankful for, here it is, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of God's grace, the gift of the gospel, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the best way to show your gratefulness to God, 
is by believing and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Oswald Chambers once said, The thing that awakens the deepest fountain of gratitude in a human being is that God has forgiven your sin. So, listener, you have two choices this Thanksgiving week. Here's one choice. You can be a grumbling Grinch. And guess what? You don't have to work at that one. Here's why. Because you'll default to grumbling. How do I know? Uh, Because I do. Well, my guess is you do too. And how do I know that? Well, we can trace it all all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Or, so that's one part of your choice. You can be a grumbling Grinch or... You can be a gratitude giver. Ah, now that one's going to take some work, some intentionality, but we can do it. And your decision will not only affect you, it will impact those around you. So let's give thanks on Thanksgiving and also decide to express our gratitude to God every day of the year. Don't let your inner Grinch steal your gratitude. Rudyard Kipling, the author of The Jungle Book, had a fortune when he was alive. A reporter came up to him once and he said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. The reporter then reached into his pocket, pulled out a $100 bill and said, Mr. Kipling, can you give me one of your $100 words? Kipling looked at the money, put it in his pocket, and said, thanks. (laughs) Thanks is a $100 word, isn't it? Actually, it's more like a million-dollar word. And so, application. Make sure you're giving thanks to God. And has it been a while since you thanked someone? Been a while since you wrote a card, sent a gift card, or just told somebody on on the phone or in person what you're thankful for? You know, it's interesting, uh, the Lord moved Beth and I here 10 years ago, and when I first came, my very first visit here, I met with the staff, and we just hung out, got to know one another a little bit, and my memory of that is that the staff loved to laugh. In fact, that's what I told Beth when I got back home. I was, we were living in central Illinois, and she said, well, what's the staff like? I said, they like to laugh, and they still do. And that shows me uh, that they're men and women filled with joy. Well, Ed had a thought about that first meeting as well. Um, And actually, Ed and Tim, uh, when I left, Tim turned to Ed and he said, that guy likes to celebrate. Well, it's true. I have never gotten over God's grace. And I want to share it everywhere. Many times in our team time when we meet, We start with celebration. When we evaluate an event, we celebrate. Are there things that could go better? Always. But we must start with celebration. And there's so many things to celebrate. Uh, I think just recently, uh, I was reminded that on the southwest side of our worship center, behind our acoustic panels, we have the names of 2,600 people written on the wall. You can't see them now, but God can. These are people we've been praying for, people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
I am so thankful to be part of a church that cares about lost people. And we have seen many of those individuals come to faith in Christ. Most recently, Friday night, I got a text from someone that a person she had put up on the wall had come to faith in Christ. A sister of a member has come to Christ a couple months ago. Two sons came to Christ. Uh, Their names are up on the wall. This past weekend, an Edgewood member invited a co-worker. He came, and when I called him, and he said, he's coming back. Uh, Ran into somebody at Aldi just yesterday, and she invited a friend. The friend has now come two weeks in a row. I love being part of a church that focuses on people who don't yet know Jesus. I'm also thankful to be in a church where people care about one another, about body life. Uh, there's a, a young adult who's struggling. Her mom passed away about a year ago. And this past weekend, I saw a couple Edgewood members just embrace her, pray for her uh, right after the service and reaching out to her. Uh, I had an experience this past week when I went to the dentist and I went into the dentist office and the receptionist asked how I'm doing. How have you been? How are you doing? And I said, better than I deserve. Well, there was a lady in the waiting room and she overheard that and she said out loud, I love that answer. And I said, well, it just reminds me that everything I have is a gift. Well, the receptionist, because I'm at a dentist office, asked if anything has changed since I was last at the dentist. And I said, well, I've probably become more crabby. (laughs) Well, that made everyone laugh. Well, uh, I just praise God because out of that just kind of reminder of God's grace, uh, I was able to talk about Jesus and how we don't have to work for salvation and work for forgiveness. We simply need to ask him. So right there in the waiting room to have a gospel conversation. I, I just love what God is doing for his glory in our community. Um, this past weekend, we celebrated something huge. God, through his people, provided all the financial resources where we paid off our mortgage. It was a 20-year loan with a five-year balloon that God paid off in four years. And we had a time of rejoicing this past weekend. If you missed that service, I encourage you to jump online and, and just watch that. Uh, I love that we're a church that follows the four G's. We live out the great uh, uh, commission in the spirit of the great commandment of loving God and loving others. We gather with God's people. We grow. Uh, We believe that spiritual growth happens best in groups. We give, and there's a spirit of generosity here, and we go with the gospel. Hey, this past year... Uh, Through your generosity, we packed 770 Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. That's an all-time record for us at Edgewood. And I also found out over the last 10 years, we have sent uh, 6,025 boxes. 
Well, considering uh, continuing the theme of being thankful, uh, I thought it'd be helpful, a good exercise for me, just to write out some things I'm thankful for. Uh, Because if we have pause to think, we'll have cause to thank. So here's a discipline. I encourage you to do this week. Pause. Ponder. Think about what you're thankful for. Number one, I'm thankful that the men and women who founded our nation did so on their knees and with a sense of divine calling. I'm thankful for the freedoms we have to worship when believers from other countries face relentless persecution. And I'm especially thankful for veterans, including my dad, who I had the honor of going on the honor flight with him just a couple weeks ago. My father-in-law is a vet. Our son-in-law, Jamie, is a vet. I get to partner with Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan is a Marine and has served our country faithfully. Number two, though I'm a cheesehead from Wisconsin, I can think of no place I'd rather live than the Quad Cities. Number three reason to be thankful. I'm thankful to minister alongside a stellar group of other pastors and leaders at Edgewood and for the privilege of following a man who ministered faithfully in one place for 44 years. Related to that, I'm thankful for a group I meet with. There are about 20, 25 gospel-preaching guys in the Quad Cities. We get together once a month, and I love that time. I treasure that time with these faithful proclaimers of the gospel. Number four, I'm thankful that God has always met my needs for food, clothing, and shelter as I've tried to put him first in my life. Number five, I'm thankful for life itself, recognizing that every breath I take is a gift from God. This keeps me humble and mindful that I must live in order to leave a legacy. Number six, I'm thankful for a church that is filled with people who take both the Great Commandment and the Great Commission seriously. (laughs) I'm especially thankful that most of them stay awake during my sermons. (laughs) Number seven, I'm thankful for four beautiful daughters who have their mother's good looks and personality. I'm thankful that they treat me like a hero, even when I act like a zero. It's been an answer to prayer that God has brought four godly guys for our daughters and given us seven grandchildren to disciple. Number eight, I'm thankful that God has allowed me to be married to my best friend. I still marvel that she said yes to me. I'm thankful that she knows me better than anyone else and yet still loves me. Number nine, I'm thankful for my college roommate who had the courage to challenge my beliefs and point me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for the relentless love and grace of Jesus who continues to shower his blessings on me. I'm thankful that Christ saved me from my sins and that I'll spend eternity with him, not because I deserve it, but because I don't. And I'm thankful that he loves me just the way I am, but loves me too much to let me stay that way. Well, I wanted to kind of change the tone and the tenor of this episode because we kind of walk around saying happy Thanksgiving to people and, oh, okay, we mean it. But sometimes those who receive that greeting Uh, for them, Thanksgiving is not happy. Christmas is hard. 
because they've lost somebody, uh, somebody that they can't see again, somebody who, well, somebody who has run away or has just gone missing or someone who has died or somebody that they're just missing because of a relationship rupture. And I serve as the chaplain on the Quad City Missing Person Network, and it just is so, so sad to listen to people, parents who don't know where their children are, who've run away or have been abducted. Um, just last night I prayed with somebody on the phone, and and that pain is palpable. Well, with Thanksgiving this week, and in light of so many experiencing loss, including the empty chairs in our family again this year, I'm reposting part of a powerful, or I reposted part of a powerful article by John Pavlovitz called Holidays and Empty Chairs, and I posted that on Facebook if you'd like to read it. Here's Here's what it says. Though you may indeed have so many reasons to feel fortunate and to give thanks, what this season is now marked by more than anything else is absence. Surrounded by noise and activity in life, your eyes and your heart can't help but drift to that quiet space that now remains unoccupied. The cruel vacancy of the empty chair. Though they're supposed to nurture gratitude and deposit peace within us, the holidays have a way of magnifying loss. In the middle of all the celebration and thanksgiving, reminding us of our, well, of our incompleteness, our lack, our mourning. The empty chair is different for everyone, though it is equally intrusive. For some, it is a place of a vigil. For some, it is a fresh wound. This may be the first time the chair has been empty for you, or you may have grown quite accustomed to the subtraction. For some, the chair is a memorial, the stark reminder of what was and no longer is, of that which never will be again. It is a household headstone where we eulogize and grieve and remember a face we squint to see, a hand we stretch to hold, a voice we strain to hear. Now, I appreciate how the writer did not wrap up this post with pleasant platitudes or try to tie everything together with a red bow. This is how he concluded. Right now, I just want you to know that I see your waiting, your grief, and your pain. And that I wait and grieve and suffer too. In that way, we all sit together in this, gathered around this same incomplete table. Maybe that is all we can offer one another, our compassionate presence in the face of this terrible absence. Now, I would add the only other thing I found that helps, <laughs> the main thing that helps, is the promise and presence of Christ. Matthew 1, 21 through 23, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We have a sign out in our yard. Uh, We live on a hill and put a spotlight on a sign that Beth made many years ago, and it reads, God with us. Listen, God is for you. He is with you. He sits with you. He is close to the brokenhearted, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Edgewood 4G podcast. I want to just give a little uh, promo for the message this weekend. Uh, We are going to be in week three of the series we're calling Our Holy Helper. And we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, This weekend... We're going to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us live. Uh, We're going to unpack the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a look at what it means that God has given us spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has placed within us at conversion. Uh, We are going to focus now on how we live the Spirit life. Galatians says, walk in the Spirit. Galatians says, if you've started with the Spirit, stay with the Spirit. Don't start walking in the flesh. We're told to keep step by step with the Holy Spirit of God. And when we do, we see his fruit ripen in our lives, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So I invite you this weekend, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 and 1045. Thanks for tuning in to the Edgewood 4G podcast. We have two other podcasts at Edgewood. One is a podcast of our weekend sermons. Uh, The other is a 25-minute podcast uh, that are sermons that air on Moody Radio. Uh, And of course, this podcast, you can get all of those on edgewoodbaptist.net. And we we upload those to the various sites like Spotify and uh, Apple, Google, Amazon Music. Uh, Thanks for listening. And I do pray uh, that you will find something to be thankful for this weekend. And you'll verbalize it and you will live a life of thanks. One last thing, if you benefit from this podcast, uh, give us a review. Uh, Tell people you listen so that others can find it as well. We'll talk to you again next week.